welcome to another episode of Keeping It Rail. While you listen to this podcast and think about the topics we'll explore, remember that the areas you're moving into are always most important. Always prepare for what you're about to do and always know what's happening while you're doing it. That's how you move to protect others and yourself. Now, from headquarters, here's our host, Jason Francis. today Travis today we have Deb Lavelle and Deb Lavelle is a fleet operations manager here at rail yep I manage fleet managers actually my team is mostly made up of fleet training managers so I have um, phase one fleet training managers who deal with the students while they're out with their trainers and then I have a team of phase three fleet training managers and they have the newer drivers um, that have gone out with the trainers, have come back, have passed their their DSC, and are given the keys to the big red truck. Um, and they're solo drivers, but obviously um, they need somebody to put their arm around them and help them get accustomed to being that over-the-road driver. So I deal with, I, I have a, a team of those fleet training managers. Um, we have probably around... 270 drivers and then I I uh, manage a our lead fleet manager for the flatbed division so yeah. I keep busy I, I I'm right there with you I work with the phase three students I work on the reefer team okay so, so I'm very familiar with the FTM part of it so you're on the flatbed side I am yes so there's yep. a little more involved in that you got to they have to go to their uh, load securement training, and then they have to send in pictures and everything. You guys got to, you guys check and make sure they're cured properly and all that kind of stuff. Yep, we have a whole process. And a couple weeks ago, I guess we're in our fourth week, we started a new pilot program for cargo securement training. Um, so instead of the day and a half, um, day of classroom and a half a day of hands-on that they generally get and get your CDL. Um, we have them at, at the terminal for a full week, um, working with two of our, our best um, securement people at the terminal. And they spend almost the entire time outside, going through loads, fixing loads, learning how to tarp, learning how to take care of their equipment. Um, it's, it's really extensive. We worked with orientation very closely to put the program together. So we're still waiting to hear the verdict, but we had a lot of positive response and we're getting really positive response from the, the drivers that are going through the class. Well, that's good to hear. That's yeah. a, I can't imagine anything in the world being more important than load securement on the flatbed side of things. So. Yep. We invest a lot in training, making sure our people are well-equipped and they know what they need to do and how to do it, all that good stuff. That's uh, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, what's kind of cool is it, it kind of began as an organic thing. I was talking about the issues that we're, we're seeing and just put our heads together and and said, we should try this. And they let us run with it. You know, it was put it together, um, get the curriculum together. And like I said, I worked real closely with Will, um, the orientation manager and Gary, and then a couple of his uh, orientation instructors. So and 
this would be for all drivers that are coming in either through GYCDL or from another school. Is that right? If this from takes another school hold and we and, start doing this. And our experienced drivers that come through, because most of the new experienced hires that we get actually don't have flatbed experience. We get a lot of, of experienced van drivers. And so they would go okay. through it. We've actually, since we've started it four weeks ago, we've had a number of flatbed experienced drivers that actually had flatbed experience that heard about the class and want to spend an extra week and go through that class and real, real positive, real positive feedback. So also planning on um, if we get the okay, if we get the approval, any new fleet managers that we hire would go through that same class. But yeah, we're, like I said, we're getting all, all kinds of real positive feedback from across the board. So. I love it. So how long have you been here at rail? It was 12 years, April 26. I wish do? it had been longer. I wish I would have uh, known about rail transport a while back. I was just, I was just going to ask what kind of, what kind of trail led you here to rail and why did you choose rail? That kind of thing. So I spent most of my, my adult life as restaurant, a restaurant manager. Um, and then I had an on-the-job injury that prevented me from doing restaurant work again. I decided to change a light bulb standing on a pedestal table in a restaurant. Oh, boy. And, yeah, I I broke my leg pretty severely. Jeez. So um, went back to school, um, got my degree in history and political science, and did some teaching, spent a summer learning how to drive a truck and worked in the office at taught classes. And I saw that rail was, was hiring and I interviewed and I loved what I heard. Um, interviewed with Eric Barber. He was one of the interviews at the time. He had to interview with three people. So I interviewed with Eric Barber. Remember the gentleman that was down in Conley at that time. Can't remember his name. But then Mitch was the third interview, and that's where um, we got to know each other. And then he followed me, I guess, through training. And as soon the day that, that my training ended, he called Ray Gabriel, who was the vice president at that time of, of the van division, and said, I really need a fleet manager. And Ray says, well, I've got two that started about the same time. Which one are you, you know, you, which one do you want? And he said, Debbie. And that's how I ended up in the flatbed division. So did you get a CDL? Um, Do you have a CDL? I earned a CDL, but it was um, a provisional one because I have rods going through my leg. And so, yeah, it, they didn't, I couldn't drive, you know, as a living. Um, but yeah, I had to earn, I had to do the testing and earn the CDL. Right on. So what do you like to do on your off time? I mean, we're, we're, we're here to get to know Deb. So tell us all about Deb. So my youngest sister, who I am legally responsible for, she, she doesn't live with me full time. She lives in a place called Sharing Meadows. It's in LaPorte, Indiana. It was started by a, a Catholic priest that actually graduated high school with my mom so a long time ago. Um, they have 186 acres, and they they um, have crops that they farm. 
Um, they have wood shop. They they do um, they have looms, so they they make rugs and things like that. Um, just a really cool place. So Carol lives there most of the time. Spends uh, holidays with me, her birthday with me, and any other time that she calls me and says, "Can I come home for a visit?" Yes, you can. Um, she got involved in Special Olympics, so I spend a lot of time watching her um, competing in, in Special Olympics and, and things like that. Um, the little guy behind me is one of four dogs I have. Um, is that Hamilton? That's, that's Hamilton. And Hamilton um, spent the first eight months of his life in a, a medical um, lab where um, he was kind of used for um, some experimenting with different drugs and stuff. So he's a lab beagle um, that I rescued on 1228. I worked with a, a shelter that made a deal with this lab. Um, they released a lot of, of these little guys. So I've had him since the 28th, made it official February 28th. And then he had his first birthday on April 28th. So that's amazing. Yeah, uh, he's a he's a typical beagle, and he had very, very short time to adjust because the other three dogs just kind of said, "Okay, now you're a dog. <laughs> you're not you're not a lab dog anymore. You're a dog." And they they taught him the all the tricks, and he's a cool dog. So right spent on. a lot of time with them, and then most of my family is down in Florida. So off time and stuff I go and visit my sister and uh, my nieces and nephews and now their kids so you have two sisters I have four sisters. four sisters two older two younger and I'm right in the middle my mom and dad had five girls in six years it was it was a interesting growing up for sure we had a two-bedroom house that started off a two-bedroom they added on eventually but there were five girls in one bedroom, and then my mom and dad obviously had wow. one bedroom. Yeah. Did you have bunk beds at least? We did. Oh, okay. We did. Yep. I wouldn't have fun. had it any other way. It was kind of, you know, we had our fights and we had our, but we we all stayed pretty close to each other. Good. So, any kids of your own, or just the I dogs? Do not, or? I do not have the dogs, and yeah, my the nieces fur, and nephews. Fur babies. And I have the fur babies. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. And, and yeah. as my nieces and nephews were growing up, uh, specifically my oldest niece, I lived on the north side of Chicago, pretty close to Wrigley Field. Um, and she'd call me on the phone. She's probably four. She'd call, my mommy's being mean to me. Come and get me. And I'd go and grab her for the weekend. You know, so I spent a lot of time with them. Yeah. None of my own. I love it. What do you like to do with nieces and nephews? Well, let's see. They've all made their first trip to Chicago with me. They all saw all the museums with me. They all went to their first Cub game with me. Um, Did you take so, them to the Shedd Aquarium? That's my favorite uh, place in Chicago. Shedd Aquarium, <laughs> the Museum of Science and Industry, the Field Museum. Um, mm -hmm. My oldest niece, uh, the Art Museum. So, yeah, we we did the whole Chicago thing while I was living up there. Fireworks on the lakefront. Oh, Navy Pier. Taste of Chicago, Navy Pier. Yeah, the whole thing. So. Mm -hmm. I spent an entire day in the Field Museum there. And then maybe in a, maybe in the 
fish nerd that I am, I have a couple of fish tanks at home. I just a hot. It's just a hobby, but I spent so much time in that shed aquarium. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, they're going through a major remodel right now. So are they? Be interested to see what it. Yeah. You're gonna have to plan a trip down there, Jason. I'm in. Let's jump on the bikes. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, Deb. What else? Uh, you want to get? Let's get back to rail a little bit. What else is going I, on? I have to make sure Kimberly's not standing behind me when I talk about this. But um, I am now preparing for my retirement, which is imminent. Um, so working with the people that we think are going to be, you know, taking my place and um, just carrying it forward. So, yeah, that's, that stuff is, that stuff is inevitable. I mean, you know, we're, we all move on, we all age, you can't stop it. So we got to hand it off to the future, to the, to the next generation, right? Yep. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's a big part of what I'm doing right now is just making sure that when I walk out the door, um, that they're ready, you know, to, to carry on and hopefully make things even better. You know, it's, that's probably the biggest compliment I, they could give me is to take what I've done and then just, just make it, make it better. You know, it so. sounds like you did something like that when you came in too. I mean, we all do that, right? We get mentored yep, yep. and we, we figure yeah. stuff out and we get helped and that's, and rail's a great place to come do that. Right. Yep. Yeah it's making sure that the next person is is ready and actually um takes it that step further so yeah it's exciting times you, and scary times though you know i love how you had to look around and make sure kimberly wasn't right behind you. <laughs> well change is always weird you know and, and it can be scary you know yeah i, think, I, I, I mean I i've think... been working since i was 16. um by the time i re retire i'll be way more than 16. so it's like you know, I, for, it'll be 50 years that I've gotten up, you know, and gone to work and, or school and, and so come April 26th, and I did that on purpose, um, on my anniversary date, that's, that's my planned retirement date anyway, um, you know, I'll be walking out the door for the last time, but uh, I am, I'm close enough with my team, with, and when I say my team, I mean, I have direct reports, but the entire flatbed division, I, you know, I've made relationships with, so I'm close enough with everybody that I'll stay in contact for sure. Part-time help isn't something that rail really, really has, um, but been talking and, and um, seriously talking, and what I really want to do, and, and um, everybody seems to be very open to it is I really want to get involved in some of the training piece. That's kind of where I'm looking at to keep myself busy and to, to keep, uh, you know, giving back. And, and this whole thing that we do, the drivers are the stars and we're there to support them and make sure that they're successful and that they're safe and they get home and everybody that they share the road with gets home safely. Well, feel free to use your imagination here. I got a question for you. Uh-oh. Where do you see the future of trucking going? I mean, we, 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 we're we not talking about 
two years from now, I'm talking 100 years from now, where do you see it going? Oh my goodness. That's, that's really difficult to say because in the past, I don't know, 56 years, really hasn't changed that much, right? You still have a driver behind the wheel doing the job. Now, all of a sudden, they're testing, you know, these these trucks that, that move by themselves and you just have a driver sitting there in case, right? In case something happens. Um, I don't know if that's, if that's going to be the future of, of trucking. Um, I know things are, are probably going to change. I hope that it stays people and not just automation. So all right. if all I right. had my wish, it would not change that much. Well, you got all the technology now that has, look what it's done for drivers. It's done some good stuff as far as Definitely. being able to video chat with the kids, whatever it may be, mm -hmm. you know? So hopefully we keep going in that direction and use this new technology and the methods of doing things in ways that are an extension of us. Yes, yeah, I agree. Today, that emotion and the relationships, I mean, it, it, it's critical today. So we have to focus on that and it should be critical tomorrow and the next day and on and on, mm -hmm. right? We're trying to make life better for the human. Yep. Yeah. Right on. Well, I just have one more question for you. Okay. Um, we do a survey question at the end of every show and, uh, I'm going to change it up just a little bit today because of your fascination with history. <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> if you could bring, if you could bring any one person from history back to life and have a conversation with them, who would that be? It would probably, and it's, it's I mean, there's probably two people. One would be Eleanor Roosevelt. I'd love to sit down and talk to Eleanor Roosevelt. And the other one would be Desmond Tutu. Who's Desmond Tutu? He he was an Anglican bishop in Africa. Um, and he's the one that um, started the reconciliation um, after apartheid. Oh. Between, yeah. Just okay. a fascinating, fascinating fascinating man all right well you you guys ready to wrap this up i think so deb do you have anything you want to add uh do you want to say anything to our listeners anyone in spe anyone specific everybody whatever hey just first of all thank you for giving me the opportunity um it's been a pleasure it's not as scary as i thought it was going to be so thank you for that um if you're listening and you work for rail you couldn't have picked a better company to come and work for. Um, and this is this is coming from somebody that has been in the workforce for 50 years. Um, and I wish I would have found rail much sooner. I wish that the majority of my work life had been spent at rail because I just think it's a dynamite, dynamite company that just is full of a bunch of caring people. So we got some good values. Yes. Yeah. Um, and we just don't talk about them. We actually um, live them and practice them. So that's what makes us different, I think, than a lot of other companies. Yeah. It makes us good. It makes us great. Yep. I agree. Not just talking. We do it. Yep. 
Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Keeping It Real. Keep that shiny side up and a dirty side down. Be safe out there, you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here, Deb.